0: Good morning, how are you guys doing this morning? It's good to have you guys here, present with us and also online this morning. Let me take this off and you can see my amazing beard. That uh is definitely shaped by this mask. <laughs> Don't have time to personally groom myself right now. <laughs> uh, it's a crazy world we live in, right? Just in pandemic, everything that's been going on. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, my name is Jeff. Uh, if you guys don't know who I am, and I just want to welcome you guys here this morning. Uh, Kurt is currently, our lead pastor is currently on vacation, so I get the honor of uh, starting a new series this morning. And so I just want to welcome you guys here who are joining us live and also those who are out on Facebook land. In fact, if you guys are out in Facebook land uh, joining us, we'd love to have you guys here in person. There's something about gathering together for corporate worship. It's just it's amazing it's good to, it's been a while right and so like getting back into it it's just like i don't know about you but i've just been refreshed i mean this morning it's just yeah you can give it up it's so refreshing to be able to experience the word of god and to be praising the lord together again um i mean i like sitting on the couch in my home but it, it's gotten old after the last couple of months so it's good to be here and so and if you guys are with us we would love for you guys to join us like cindy said we got a brand new link um, you can click. It's on our website, on our Facebook app, and it shows you how many spots that we got available because we are limited uh, for capacity. Um, so you can see how many. We have every service up through the uh, month of August up there right now. So if you know you're going to be here, and I don't know what Sundays are, <laughs> one of the Sundays in August, and you want to make sure you uh, confirm your spot, you can do that already. So we would love to have you. Will you guys join me in prayer? Good and gracious God, we thank you that you are our provider. And in this crazy world we live in right now, Lord, I am so thankful that we worship a God who is sovereign over it all, that you guide us, uh, direct us, give us the wisdom we need to just pursue you and pursue others in light of you in this world. So God, I am thankful for that, that. You are a God of abundance, that you provide everything. And God, may you just open up our hearts and ears and minds to your truth and wisdom this morning through your word. God, may it take root in our lives and bear fruit as we go to bring you glory and honor. And God, may the words from my mouth and the meditation of my heart please pleasing in your sight, the Lord, my rock and my heart. Amen. Well, like I said, we're kicking off a new series this week called A Maze, where we're going to be spending the next few weeks in the book of Psalms. And I get excited... That we are going to be spending some time in the book of Psalms because it's one of my favorite Bible, uh, Bible uh, books in the Bible. I don't know about you. I have a few favorites, you know, some of them, not so much. Lamentations, me. you know, <laughs> Ecclesiastes, meh, you know, but the Psalms and Romans and, uh, and Ephesians and Galatians, like these are some of my, these are my books, man. I go back to these over and over again and just ingest what they have to say. And I first started reading the book of Psalms when I was a teenager after I gave my life to the Lord. And I remember being fascinated by the authors and how they were so raw and real with their emotions. They didn't shy away from what they were experiencing or how they felt about God. They expressed the beauty they saw in his creation, and they also expressed their lack of understanding at times. This gripped my heart. These authors were real people, In real life with real life circumstances encountering a real and present God so when we read the Psalms we see that these authors struggle like we do they get mad at God like we do even though sometimes we don't like to admit it (laughs) they don't understand everything like we think we do (laughs) yet they trust God They hope in God's promises, and they love the Lord like we desire to. The Psalms give us a picture of who God is and what it looks like to be in a relationship with him. As one commentator explains, he says this, The Psalms are a verbal portrait gallery of God. And what many of them provide us with is a striking picture of God. While none of these pictures are complete in itself, and indeed all of them together do not give us a comprehensive picture of God, they do provide true glimpses of the nature of our God and our relationship with him. The Psalms are also a mirror to our souls. They help us see what's going on inside as we read them. Are we... we drawn towards god or are we moving away from him even when the psalms express emotions that do not reflect where we are at emotionally and spiritually the experience of reading them still helps us understand ourselves better through reading the psalms we can come to understand our thoughts and feelings in light of god The Psalms can also minister to us. Like the Psalms of Lament often do for me. We pray through the Psalms of Lament, and it moves us from our preoccupations of our troubles and our life circumstances, and it changes our heart, and it tunes our heart over to a place where we have hope in the future and a trust in the Lord and thankfulness for where he has brought us. The book of Psalms is such a unique book compared to any other book in the Bible. It's a collection of songs, prayers, and poetry spanning over a thousand years. And in the form that we have it today, it was put together by the early church. And like I said, I'm excited, and I hope you're getting excited too, to be spending some time in the Psalms together. And what better way than to start us off by reading... Psalm 1, <laughs> and we're not going to be going through it in chronological order, but we're going to start with Psalm 1, because it's one of my favorites, and I think it's a good place. They put it there on purpose, <laughs> so let's start there. Will you guys read with me? Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way of sin- the, that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff. The the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1 is really black and white, and it, it causes us to wrestle with what camp we are going to identify with. Are we going to align ourselves with the wicked who mock those around them, who live sinful lives, and surround themselves with others who do likewise? Or are we going to align ourselves as the blessed and the righteous and meditate and delight in the law of the lord we have to wrestle with these these two are again i think the author places these two against each other in such a way that we have to wrestle with this we have to as we enter and begin to read the psalms we have to identify with one of those groups and i don't think any of us want to be on the side of the wicked None of us want to identify as that, as chaff blown in the wind. I don't know about you, if you're familiar with wheat farming techniques and like what chaff is and grain, but I educated myself, like Cindy said, on YouTube (laughs) and found some things out because I am not a farmer. I have, my ancestors were farmers, but I am not a farmer. So I found out what it looks like, uh, what it means for chaff to blow in the wind. And so as a part of the process of getting the, the grain that we need to make flour and bread and used for baking, they have to chop up the wheat, and they take these baskets, and I think we got an image. Yep, oh, it was there. Anyway, we have an image. Um, It shows a lady taking the contents of the wheat and the chaff and the grain and tossing it up like so. And the chaff, because it's so light, would just blow away in the wind, and the grain would land back in the basket. And that's how they got rid of what was useless and the fruit of the grain that they needed. The chaff was useless, and they wanted to get rid of it. And thus are the ways of the wicked. There is no fruit. This doesn't give a lot of gray area this psalm. It's the ways of the wicked. There's no fruit. It leads to destruction. And so why would we want to take that route? Why would we want to go down that broad path, as Jesus says? Yet, some of us do choose that. Most of us want a fruitful life, like the psalm talks about. None of us want a fruitless life. If I was to take a poll right now, online or here, and I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you guys want a fruitless life? I doubt any of us are going to shoot up our hand really quick. <laughs> None of us want that, but sometimes the path that we choose to take ends up leading that way. And so the psalmist is trying to talk to us, is trying to put this image of our mind that we have two roads that we can take in this life. And that we need to reflect on our choices and on our postures and on our direction about where to go. No, we want fruitful life like the tree planted, um, spoken about in this psalm. We want to be like the tree described here, planted by streams of water, bearing fruit, and our leaves don't wither. One of the beautiful elements of the Psalms is that it's filled with this glorious imagery, these metaphors and similes that help us better understand our faith. Because these psalmists understand God, like some of the songs we're singing today. It is hard to describe Him. He is more obtuse he's bigger than our our minds can fathom and so we take to imagery and metaphors and similes to help us pull things together from him as creation to help describe what life with him is like and i love it i am a nature guy and like i've told you before i love lawns Right? If you were with us a few months ago when I talked about how I love lawn care, I love mowing lawns. I'm excited because me and my family just rented a home. And so for the first time in a very long while, I got a yard to mow. Woohoo! I'm so excited. Right now, don't drive by because it looks disgusting. And pretty soon, it's going to look really great. So I just need some time and some help from the Lord. <laughs> but what I love more than lawns are trees. Okay, and I hear me out here. I'm not just like some tree hugger <laughs> But I love the uniqueness of trees. I it was so nice And I was so privileged to live in michigan and now here where there's such an array of different kinds of trees This spring I was absolutely dumbfounded as I looked out my apartment window out in the neighborhoods of summer and saw All the different hues of green the other Red leaf colors, all these things starting to bud. The flowers, holy cow, I did not know how many trees bloomed flowers in the spring. I grew up in Colorado and we had like two trees. We got like firs and aspens. That's about it. And so this was just glorious. Just speaks of God's creation. In fact, I love trees so much. My family was here a couple of weeks ago and we were looking to do a hike in, um, at Mount Rainier National Park, and uh, I got excited because as I was looking for easy hikes for us and my family to go, go on, because my daughter, who's not two yet, but thinks she's two going on three, wants to hike with us. She We got a backpack for her, but she loves to walk around, and I was like, we got to find an easy hike for her so she doesn't like fall in a river or off a cliff or something, and I found this trail that captivated me, because it's called the Grove of the Patriarchs. I don't know if any of you guys have ever hiked that hike, but I was honored to be able to hike that and I was excited. We're going to go see some really old trees and my family just kind of looks at me like <laughs> I'm so excited to go see really old big huge trees. And so actually, I think we got some pictures. This is my sister and her family. They were with us for a week and those are some really tall firs <laughs> that they were by and then this is more my daughter look how small she is compared to those huge trees (laughs) she was having the time of her life and that's not a hazmat suit that's a rain suit by the way (laughs) i know we're in a pandemic but that's just a rain suit and then the next one i was just dumbfounded by how tall and magnificent these trees were and so as i was preparing my sermon this week these trees were in the back of my mind that hike was in the back of my mind and so if you've hiked it or you've seen trees likewise Imagine those. And this is one of the reasons why it's my favorite psalm, is this image. See, as we take a closer look at the tree described in Psalm 1, we'll have a better understanding of what it means to be blessed and righteous, according to the author of this psalm. The first thing is this. The tree is planted by streams of water. Just like those trees in the grove of the patriarchs, they're planted along a river and they need to be planted by that river to grow that big they need the water and the nutrients from the soil to empower them to expand and to grow and to stretch to the sky not to mention just the soil there being volcanic is rich in nutrients and so the psalmist say compares the tree being planted near water to delighting in God's word, meditating on His word day and night. This is the ticket to the nutrients that we need to live the life that God has called us to live. And I ask questions, Do you delight when you read this? Do you get excited when you open up this the cover of the Bible? I know, sometimes I struggle. Like sometimes this more of a duty and a chore, like, yep, yeah, I know this is the right thing to do today. But the psalmist doesn't approach it this way. They, he gets excited. He's like, I delight in the law of the Lord. I meditate on a day and night. See, he sees it as the nutrients. He sees it as the pathway to the righteousness and the blessed life that God calls us to. It's the nutrients we need. I, to break it down for you, I don't know about you, but you've got to ingest God's Word to meditate on it. I, I think well, oftentimes when we talk about meditation, our minds go to Eastern religious practices like Buddhism and Hinduism. But really, when the authors of the Psalms are talking about meditating on God's Word, it has nothing to do with that. It has more on just ingesting Scripture, reading about it, thinking about it. Having it on the tip of your mind, spending time in silence, thinking about what you've just read. And when I think about ingesting God's Word, I think about eating my favorite food. What if we approach reading the Word of God like we do our favorite food? I don't know about you, but mine is steak. Nothing will bring me to my knees more than a nice marbled ribeye off a grill. Mm, yes it right now in my mouth my mouth just started watering like that <laughs> i love steak i love cooking steak i love i love everything about steak i get real excited about steak and and when i eat steak i don't just you know like cookie monster <laughs> throwing it in my mouth and just oh that's so good no i take my time i eat it i savor it I let it melt in my mouth and I savor all the different flavors. And I enjoy it because it's expensive. (laughs) But it's so good. I don't know what your favorite food is, but I I would think you would take time to eat it too, right? And you would enjoy it. And that's how we're supposed to approach the Word of God. That's how our posture of our heart is supposed to be when we read the Word of God. But it's tough sometimes. Because this is not all stories. This is not all easily things to digest. Like, I, oftentimes I think we approach it like I approach salad. <laughs> Where I know it's good for me, I need the minerals and everything in it, at least my wife tells me I do, and I eat it. And I eat it kind of reluctantly, but yep, you know. But oftentimes I think that's our posture when we open up scripture. But we need to delight in it. We need to have it ingested into our lives just like a tree is planted by streams of water. And the second thing it talks about the tree is that it yields its fruit in season and its leaves do not wither. And the first thing that comes to mind when I read this part of fruit, my mind goes instantly to Galatians five twenty two through 25, the fruits of the spirit. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When we hear fruit from this song. These things should come to mind. These characteristics are what define us as Christians, or should define us as Christians. Oftentimes, we get too concerned with uh, what we're not for and what we're against, and instead of exhibiting the spirits of love, the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Man, I don't know if you met anybody that embodies these in real life, but it is tangible when they do. And I got a little challenge for you. Think about this on your own and think about what of these fruits, what do you display the easiest and what's the hardest for you? And I got another challenge. After you've thought about it, ask somebody who knows you well, who will tell the truth, which ones you exhibit, and which ones you don't. As Christians, we need to always be growing, and this should be one of our growth edges, is how we bear these fruits that Galatians speaks about. And bearing fruit is also about living a life of abundance. Because you think of a bountiful tree, like in uh, the fall with a harvest of apples, and you see an apple tree just filled, and you're just like, Whoa! can't wait to eat those (laughs) it's exciting to see that and god wants us to live lives of abundance god is a god of abundance his resources are endless and he gives us the resources of the fruit of the spirit as endless through the power of the holy spirit do you have access to them have you tapped into what god has already given you Sometimes we think it's only on our own that we got to somehow manifest love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control on our own. But that's not how it is. That's not the kind of God we serve. We serve a God who wants to empower us with those. And He gives abundantly. All we have to do is ask and receive and live into what He's already done for us. These are commodities that do not diminish. The fruits of the Spirit, they don't, they're not money, they aren't time. Not when we serve an endless, uh, God with endless abundance. Too often we act out of our own love, our own joy, and our own peace to make things happen instead of being dependent on God. In our weakness, He is strong. And it's so un-American for us to think, but we are dependent on Him. We live in a world where we idolize independence. And to say that I need to be empowered by God in order to do this is contrary to a lot of the ways we view the world and how we choose to live. We need to be in a posture of dependence for these things. And I want to give you guys some examples. We have so much abundance. Having abundance is like having a bunch of tomatoes, right? And you give, you see somebody you need and you give them your tomatoes because you have a lot. But God is also a generous God and he also loves to just give out of compassion. And so a lot of times we think, well, when I have enough of these, when I've mastered peace or love, then I'll start being more loving to everybody else. <laughs> then I'll, I'll start being, giving my time or my resources. When I have enough, then I'll give. Yeah, that's, that's true. But God is also a God of compassion. Now, although he is a God of abundance, he's also a God of compassion. And we see him giving things. We see stories like, I recall the story of when Jesus is anointed by the woman with a perfume. That was a compassionate, loving gift from that lady to him. I doubt she had a storehouse of perfume with her. Because if I recall correctly, the disciple said, that's a year's worth of wages she just dumped on Jesus. It's a sign of compassion. And then also just the compassion that Jesus shows by going to the cross. But we need to live generous, abundant lives, knowing that we serve an abundant God and that he's going to provide for us. God is motivated by both, but we need to too, be motivated by both. So even though there's times in our lives where we don't seem to have enough, that's where our faith comes in and we say, okay, God, this person is really difficult, and I don't think I have the emotional capacity to deal with them right now, but I'm going to trust in you that you're going to give me what I need to be there and be present for that person. See, too often we live in a life of scarcity where we're fearful and we want to protect what we have, whether it be our emotional capacity, our comfort, or our resources. God doesn't want us that. That's the broad path. That's that's the me-focused sense. That's not a person who worships the abundant God. So God wants us to live a life of abundance and compassion. So this leads us to the last part, the last description of the tree is that it's it's uh, it's has prosperity. So what does prosperity mean to us? To you, what does prosperity mean to you? I think the first things that come to mind, and I think they're the wrong things, is money, <laughs> power. Status, comfort, (laughs) I think that's a huge one in America today. We value comfort. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to be asked to do anything. We value our comfort. That's what prosperity looks like, that I can comfortably do whatever I want to do. (laughs) Listen to that statement, that I can comfortably do whatever I want to do. I, I, I. But what does a, pr- uh, a prosperous tree look like? It bears fruit. It gives the fruit to those who come by I want to take from its branches. It grows. It doesn't stay the same. It doesn't say, oh, I'm here planted by this river. I'm going to grow this side. and just, just chill there. <laughs> No, it continues to grow. We should too, as Christians. Reminded that we're not supposed to live lives of stagnantness. There's an old, I'm sure you've probably heard it before if you've attended church a while, but the only place, I got to go on a trip to Israel to kind of just check everything out. It was nice 11 days when I was taking a sabbatical off of when I served in Alaska. And it was a magnificent trip. But you see, you follow the water. You see Mount Sinai, and you see the Sea of Galilee, and you see the River Jordan coming down, and you descend from about 10,000 feet to below sea level to the Dead Sea. All the river flows to the Dead Sea, and it doesn't go out. That's a stagnant lake. Granted, it has a lot of awesome minerals, and you can... Float in it without any effort, which is fun. I did it. <laughs> I was really salty afterwards. <laughs> but nothing grows in there. because it's stagnant, it's dead. That's why they call it the Dead Sea. And we need to be reminded that stagnant lives aren't growing lives and are cut off. They're, God calls us to grow like this tree. So if we find ourselves in a place of stagnantness, I think that's a word. <laughs> Then we need to change our direction. And the last thing is a prosperous tree reproduces. So it bears fruit, it's growing, and then it reproduces. That's part of a tree's life. That's why it has fruit. For that, it's not taken to be eaten by the birds and by man. The, the, the fruit drops and it goes into the ground, and the new tree is planted. And that is true of us as Christians. We need to be bearing fruit. We need to be growing. And we need to be reproducing. And I'm not talking babies. <laughs> I mean, that's true. We need to, but yeah. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> we're talking about reproducing disciples, we're helping others become delighted in the law of the Lord like we are. We're not just doing it for ourselves we're taking the treasure that we've been given to by god and sharing it with others that's a life of abundance that's what it looks like to be a tree of prosperity that we are changing lives around us god has placed everyone in this church with a sphere of people that you are a steward of whether you know it or not it is your call in your mission from god on high to administer the faith to these people to be an example of lives of abundance to share what the word has done with your life to be compassionate towards them every one of us has a sphere and maybe that i want to challenge you to think about that because that's what it looks like to be a uh, a tree that's um i can't say it right now um, Prosperity! <laughs> they have prosperity. That's what it looks like. Those three elements. They're planted by water. They're bearing fruit. They're growing and they're reproducing. So my question for you guys this morning that I would love for you guys to reflect on is how can you live more like the tree this song do you need to be drinking from the word more do you need this to help fill you up because all that other stuff sounds exhausting maybe you're doing this well maybe you need to think about the fruit that God's cultivating in you and maybe you need to tap into the Holy Spirit's power to help you bear that fruit and not try to do it on your own Or maybe you need to continue to grow and reproduce. Show others why this is so important through the way you live and through the way you talk. So I want to leave you this morning with that question. And as a part of this, just like the psalmist says, I want us to meditate on this song, And so I want us to prayerfully read through this psalm together. You guys can listen. I just want you to close your eyes, get relaxed, don't fall asleep on me, and just imagine, create an image in your head as we pray this psalm together this morning. And ask God to show you what He has for you individually through His Scripture this morning. Psalm 1. And whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do, prosper. Not so with the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked. God, we thank you that you are a God of abundance. That you don't ask us to try to manifest all this stuff on our own, but to humbly come into your presence and seek you out. You, a God of abundance, will provide. God, may that just be the posture of our lives, the posture of our hearts. May we all planted by the water. Bearing fruit in your name. Growing to share your glory and your praise. Giving you all the honor. For the sake of your kingdom and not for our own.